Hi, friends. A brief reflection before the episode. In this time of extra visible violence, extra close to home, it feels extra difficult to know exactly how to be in the world. And I have a lot of big questions, and I'm guessing that you might too. And one thing I know is that community and family feel extra important in times like this, or maybe are extra important in times like this. And I hope that as all of the holidays are, and all of the holidays are upon us, uh, that gathering together to appreciate and honor the holiness among us and between us can be one source of light in the darkness. And also I want to acknowledge that I know that the holidays can be rough, especially for those who are displaced, grieving, heartbroken, and or queer. And we're sending warmth and deep breath to all of you, but uh, an offering of perspective and some extra words of love for that latter category. Um, the perspective is something that's been really helpful to me. The The idea of using the words family of origin to refer to biological family um, that's in conversation with family of origin and chosen family. So um, so as not to say like real family and chosen family. And what I love about using the words family of origin is it elevates the idea of chosen family without at all denigrating uh, family of origin or biological family. And um, the other thing that I want to share is something that we read last December too and, and got such a positive response. I want to share it again. It's just some well-articulated words of love from someone who is dear to us. And they wrote, three cheers for chosen family, three cheers for supportive biological families and extended family. And here's to you if you are remembering or going home for the holidays to a quote-unquote family that does not acknowledge, support, or love who you truly are. Whether you have to stay silent at the table, hide very real fears, lie about who you love, be stared at or whispered about, endure incorrect pronouns, wear clothes that do not suit your identity and or answer to a wrong name, the list could go on and on regrettably. Here's wishing you courage and peace. There are many with you in solidarity and sympathy, so please take whatever comfort in that there might be. Love to you all and on to this episode. Our love is what we make of it. Our love is what we make of it. Our love is what we make of it. Sex for smart people. That means you. Oh, hi. Hello. Welcome to Sex for Smart People. I'm Stephanie, and I pronounce she, her, hers, or they, them, theirs. I'm Dave, and I use he and his. And I'm Shakina, and I'm, I'm she all the way. All right, Shakina, we're Hi, Shakina. so happy that you are joining us. Thank you for making time. Yeah, thank you. Um, Shakina is a woman of many, many extraordinary talents. Uh, a director, choreographer, producer, performance artist, founder of Musical Theatre Factory. And so we're going to interview Shakina and uh, then collectively address some listener questions and then on to quickies where we rant about something or endorse something that we want to talk about. Excellent. So, Shakina, we begin as we always begin. What is your relationship to relationships? I think, I think my relationship to relationships can best be defined by the word seeking. 
it's uh, relationships are something I'm always seeking to experience and participate in and understand um, on many different levels, romantically, sexually, uh, platonically, spiritually. So, um, you know, it's really a really a broad spectrum for me. But there, but there are, um, you know, energetic exchanges that I'm constantly engaged in and evaluating and trying to approach with consciousness. Something from your bio that just made my heart sing when I read it. Um, you were talking about how, um, and you'll of course say it better than I do, but it, it's at the end and you say something about how the the art that we make is only as meaningful as, as who we become while making it, or that, that community yeah. is everything. Will you talk a little bit about yeah, that? Yeah, that's like that's like one of my um, one of my personal golden rules. The um, I, I always say, in fact, yesterday at one of our meetings here at the factory, I said it again. Yeah, the art the art that we make is only as valuable as the person we become while making it. Um, I just I believe that that um, that art making is a pretext to becoming a better version of yourself. It's sort of a way to engage in a creative process that allows you to self-fulfill and self-actualize. Um, and when we lose sight of that larger goal, sometimes we can just get in like a, you know, in like a holding pattern with our, with our evolution and with our creative output. That's gorgeous. <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> what is this, what is, what is the factory? What, what do you produce? Uh, the Musical Theater Factory is a nonprofit organization that's dedicated to helping musical theater artists develop and present new work, and we believe in doing it in a collaborative environment that's free from the pressures of critical or commercial success. So it's not about selling tickets or getting reviewed. It's really about um, helping uh, mostly early career musical theater artists um, take their ideas and bring them to the next self-defined level of readiness. Uh, making a musical is, is really hard work. It takes a lot of time and a lot of people. And so we've tried to pool our resources as a community and come together to work on projects mm. and help each other cool. uh, bring the work forward. So cool. Um, Brad? I'm so bummed that I am out of town for the entire run of your show that's currently oh, going yeah, on. Will you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So I'm, I'm currently running a show called Post Op uh, down at Wild Project. And... Um, it is the companion piece to my first autobiographical solo show that was called One Woman Show. Uh, One Woman Show told the story of my life up to the point of transition, and I created it when I decided to move forward with a full um, medical gender transition. And um, I wanted a way to explain to my friends and, and my community where I was coming from and sort of preemptively answer all the questions that I thought might come up as I started to transform in front of people. Uh, and in, uh, in a way, it, it was my first time also on stage as a performer in that way in like over a decade, which was cool. And so uh, I was doing that while crowdfunding my gender confirmation surgery and the show and the crowdfunding campaign were like a, a partnership. And then um, after I raised the money, I went to Thailand and I had a gender confirmation surgery and I made a vow that the healing is a one year long healing and it was a really brutal process. And I. I made a, a vow that I would um, do a show on the one-year anniversary of the surgery when I was huh. quote-unquote healed, and uh, uh, and so I created the show post-op that was it's all about the pilgrimage to Thailand. So whereas one woman show takes place over 33 years, post-op takes place over six weeks, mm -hmm. and I worked with a bunch of uh, composers who were all founding members of the Musical Theater Factory, and we created songs for the show, and so it's a one a one-woman musical. 
um, about faith and spirituality and sexuality. Hmm. So cool. And when you said that you did it to kind of preempt, uh, partly to preempt like all the questions you knew were going to come up, yeah. what are you most sick of being asked? Either um, artistically or about your personal probably journey? Probably I'm most sick of being asked uh, how I feel about Caitlyn Jenner. Yeah, okay. Yeah, probably that's the one. Uh-huh. I actually have a rule that if someone asks me that, they have to buy me a drink. <laughs> <laughs> I like that rule. <laughs> Pretty good rule. Um, just, you know, to get out of the way, Stephanie, when you say out of town, that's, that's town is New York, right? New York City. <laughs> New York City. Okay. Is New York City just town now? Is that just how it is? <laughs> Little town, what a quiet village. <laughs> <Yes>. Bonjour. <laughs> Before we move on to listener questions, anything else just burning in you that you want to say today? And also, where can people learn more about you and your work? Oh, cool. Sure. Well, um, I'm easy to find on the internets. Um, I have a webpage. It's just shakina.nyc. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram <laughs> and Facebook as Shakines, S-H-A-K-E-N-Z. Um, and I'm really excited to be uh, um, a guest on this um, on this podcast uh, right now in my life, especially because um, I'm actually really deep in a process of questioning where sex resides in my life, having... S- sort of arrived again um, into a into a virgin body you know newly mm-hmm. and uh, and dealing with and thinking about what it means to have that second opportunity hmm. so that's a place where I'm at and I'm really interested to explore that with you mm-hmm. Brad thank you so much for just being to double here. check um Will will Shakina.town auto forward to Shakina.nyc or have they not built that one in yet? Oh no, no, Shakina.nyc. <laughs> <laughs> you can also be like, yeah, like Shakina.thecity because people are like, you in the city? Are you in town? It's like the only city. <laughs> hey everyone, this is Jillian. As many of you might already know, in 2013, Stephanie and I drove across the country talking and singing with people in their living rooms about love, sex, and family. And before Dave, Stephanie, and Shakina address listener questions, I want to share a song from the album that we made on that tour, plus a bit about why I wrote it. And if you like the song and you want to hear more, check out lovesongsfortherestofus.com. So I wrote What Kind of World after overhearing this conversation in a restaurant uh, between a man and a woman who I think were on a date what I hope for her sake was a first and last date. And this guy, who apparently produced pop music, was explaining to this woman that while he completely respected feminist artist, Lady Gaga was the example he gave, he thought it was important for there to still be space for, uh, and I quote, stupid hot girls to shake their asses. And it was kind of fascinating to me trying to get inside this guy's understanding of the world where he somehow really thinks he's taking up a valiant position as if pop music has been so overrun by somber feminist sensibilities that he's needed to come in and save the day you know for those of us who are wondering like where are all us idiot women supposed to go to get properly objectified and I 
found myself wondering what I would say if I could really talk to this guy if I hadn't just been eavesdropping on him in a restaurant. I thought about what I would say that wouldn't be just a lashing out that he'd be defensive towards. And I found myself wishing that I could just say, look, there's nothing edgy about what you're wanting to make. In fact, it's the opposite of transgressive. It maintains the status quo to add on to the pile of pop culture that holds down groups of people who've been oppressed for centuries. And I wanted to ask him, you know, rather than talk about what you think is PC or not, can you tell me what kind of world do you actually want to live in? And even though I'll never have that conversation with that guy, I don't think, uh, that question stuck in my head and led me to write this song. You say you want your sister to feel safe walking home at night on the block. You say you don't think folks should be stopped for their race by some quota filling cap. You say, but I see you laughing at the same old racist, sexist tropes on TV. You say it's just stupid entertainment and you don't understand why it's still bothering me. You say I shouldn't be so easily offended. Act like I'm fine, I'll be seen as most PC What I see is a connection between the isms that haven't ended And the degradation of human soul There's pop culture all around me And I'm just asking what, what You think cause you don't yell slurs or condemn those different than you that you're in the clear This isn't some kind of argument, a chance for one of us to prove who's really right I hope that you think of what I'm asking when you're lying in bed later on at home tonight You say I shouldn't be so easily offended Act like I'm fine, I'll be seen as most what I see is a connection between the isms that haven't ended And the degradation of human soul There's pop culture all around me And I'm just asking what to questions. Yay! Okay. <laughs> I did them. I did the lasers. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm, I'm happy to have your participation in this important endeavor. Um, okay, question one. Um, 
I am a female-bodied person who identifies as a female. I recently expressed to a friend, though, that I don't consider myself cisgendered. This was a surprise to them. They understood cis to mean basically how I just identified myself here, that cis is primarily an anatomical distinction. I'm having a really hard time wording even this definition. I want to say they understood that cis means your gender identity matches your anatomical sex organs, but I find that phrasing a little squirmy and problematic. I feel my gender identity is more complex and that while I do not identify as genderqueer, I am somewhere on the spectrum between that and cisgendered. Am I using this term correctly? Where does this term come from? Thank you, thank you for all the conversations you are facilitating. What a thoughtfully worded question. Yeah. Do you want to dive in, Shakina? Sure. Um, I hate the word cisgendered. I prefer to never use it when possible. Um, I think it's like, it comes from, I believe, more of like an academic or perhaps like community organizing space. Mm-hmm. Um, I have this thing about like labels. I feel like they're very 20th century, Mm. um, but I know that they have a lot of value in identity politics. And I know that we invent them for a time in which they're appropriate and then we retire them when they seem dated. Um, And um, to me, like like, if you're cisgender, quote unquote, I just don't feel like you get a special label. I feel like Mm. you're basic, you know? Like you're like the original model. So um, it's like, you know, and I, and I know that might be seem offensive or like problematic, but it's like if you actually feel the need to qualify yourself um, in that way, then like, I don't think we need to create a whole new word for it personally. Um, and when I, when I hear it, it kind of makes my like skin crawl. Like I just get a little like, I find it, I find it off-putting and... Um, like, and it, I usually, I usually find it being employed by folks who like want to demonstrate how progressive they are and their thinking around sex and gender. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually find it personally that it alienates me from like having a conversation with them because it's, it's, um, it's like qualifying the unsaid. It's like whiteness, mm-hmm. you know, or straight. Like, I don't know. You just, I don't think you just. Why do you get a? Why do you get a special term? Huh. Yeah, maybe that's not the most popular no, I'm so perspective, but that's just how I feel about oh. it at a gut level. I'm I'm so glad that you shared that, and I um, I <laughs> came at this and the, my understanding of the word from a slightly different way mm-hmm. of that, like th- thank goodness there, or or that. Or I believe the intentions behind where it came from, which doesn't mean that it's useful or great now, mm-hmm. are that um, rather than either being trans or normal, like uh-huh. to point, like to to make visible the idea that everybody has a gender identity. Uh-huh. The idea that we need a word for everyone's gender identity doesn't feel strong to me. But I guess the only thing about the term that I that I do like or the the idea behind the term is that just as inviting everyone to yeah. to look within themselves and be like I, yeah. I, I would just, just say privileged then mm. right because okay. isn't, that, isn't that what it means sort of like if it's if sure. it's if it's being used to qualify the fact that you are not part of a marginalized sexual or gender minority hmm. then it's really just another label for privilege in that one specific category. Hmm. So if we're trying to be real conscious about mm-hmm. what we mean, then I would say I'm gender privileged. Okay. You know, if huh. you really want to be radical about it. Huh. But I just, I'm, I'm, I'm down with OG. Like, 
original gender came in with it, sticking with it. That's cool with me too. Cool, cool. You know, or just like, or oh, I'm not trans. Okay. Cool, you're not trans. Great, got it. Okay. I do. Cool, cool. I, so this is this is breaking my brain a little bit in a good way. Um, <laughs> yeah. I do see. I do see the value of not trans as a as another way to say it. But um, I uh, under, understood for myself, and you may be right. This may just be rank privilege at work, but um, I use it when I identify myself. Um, partly because, from what I understand of the term, it is accurate to my situation, and partly because it is. Um, Often, or at least uh, it, it can be seen as a shibboleth for allyship in LGBTQ circles. And um, yeah, but like, you know, I guess I would say, for example, um, like I can, I can, I have at times said that I'm like, you know, a white anti racist ally or that I'm like Chicana identified anti racist ally. Yeah. Um, and so I can like signify where I come in from a place of privilege, but then also talk about where I'm trying to build bridges toward another community to be supportive. Mm. Um, so like one could say I'm a trans ally and that is also doing the same thing. I'm a trans advocate, you know? Mm. Um, it just feels a little weird to me to be like, cl- like inventing a space to claim for oneself in, in opposition to uh, an oppressed group of people, hmm. a marginalized group of people. Um, that's interesting that it's seen as in opposition. That, ha- that, that, that's, that actually, that, had, that aspect of it hadn't occurred to me. It, it, it was seen to me to be more including, inclusive rather than exclusive, but I, I guess I'll have to think about this more. Yeah, I mean, I certainly don't experience it as inclusive. Mm-hmm. I experience it as like, a, oh, just to clarify... Like, I don't come from your experience. Uh, or just to clarify, I'm not coming from that experience. I'm coming from this experience of, like, privilege. Mm-hmm. Of, like, never having to deal with the questions and prejudices that you've had to deal with. Mm-hmm. Which I also don't think is true. Because I think the mm-hmm. majority of people who've dealt with gender at all in their lives have had to deal with some of those questions uh-huh. and some of those concerns. Which perhaps gets to this your listener's question, uh-huh. right? That, like, you could be... Um, born into a specific body and assigned that gender at birth and live your life in that body and that gender and feel like there's cohesion there but also feel plagued with insecurity and doubt and troubles because of the way you're perceived by and treated by the world around you. Mm -hmm. Um, And that doesn't make you transgender but but I think like saying cisgender sort of like, I don't know, simplifies the experience of living within the complexity of mm. of a of a power system that is like rooted in like economics and exploitation mm-hmm. and acting on your body. Mm-hmm. So you and know. I feel and that this person that wrote in expresses a discomfort yeah. with cisgendered and and to be completely transparent, what this person wrote in is like pretty close to where I am in life. I consider myself like I don't need a term for it, but to like like gender creative, I guess, sure, or gender complex, yeah. And so I too, and yet I don't. Um, I am. I don't use the term trans. I'm not trans, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I realize that I walk around in the world with the extreme privilege of being perceived as not trans or mm-hmm. cisgendered, even mm-hmm. though I can. My gender is complex. Sure. Um, and so, to this person, what I'm hearing you might say is that 
labels are not important. Just yeah, to this person, I'd be like rock and roll. Privilege, just do do your thing and yeah. Yeah, I don't let anyone else tell you you're cisgender. If you don't feel like that's a label that applies mm-hmm. to you, then you know no one can can affix that label to you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I should just also say that I'm only speaking on behalf of my personal experience and point of view. I am not speaking on behalf of the trans community. So just, I'm no ambassador. <laughs> I am just a person. What? <laughs> what? Shakina? <laughs> well, uh, well uh, as always, I should say at this point that I am speaking for all cis people. So I just, just put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> I was at least you're yeah, transparent yeah, yeah. about it. Uh, Sister <laughs> oh, Gosh. Oh dear. I see what you did okay. there. Um uh on to question two. Um question two is there were no lasers, Dave. Are you okay with this? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, question two is, hi, I'm writing to you anonymously because I am embarrassed about what I'm asking about. There's a lot of talk about transgenderism in the media these days. When I watch, I watch as if I'm watching a freak show. For some reason, I just can't wrap my head around it. I think part of it is that I don't know anybody personally who is transgendered, except there is one person that I do sort of know. The husband of a friend of mine is becoming a female just as my friend is pregnant with their first child. My friend is horrified and I am too. I can't stop thinking about how fucked up this is and when I read about people raising kids without a gender and letting them decide what gender to be, that seems fucked up too. The rights of trans people seems to be the next big civil rights movement and I am politically savvy enough to know that I'm an asshole if I don't get on board with this. But I really don't understand... Is there hope for people like me? I love this person. I just want to give this person a big hug. Mm -hmm. I think it's so brave of them to articulate this question. I love that they ask if there's hope for them. (laughs) I think of hope as like a confident expectation of good. So sure, like, of course Uh there's hope for you. And, and like, to turn toward curiosity. Yeah. As, and, like, and like, even when you feel confused and befuddled or even totally awful. to acknowledge the feelings that you're having as both like fucked up but also legitimate is important. Mm. Um, so, bravo to you for venturing into your own fear and mm. asking that question. Um, but it's also like a really loaded and stacked question. I feel like really there's like loaded. several and, questions and the in, it, I, in there. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't know, where, where should, should we start with one aspect of it and then unpack? I'd like to start oh, with the fact that, yes, I'm happy that you recognize that you're an asshole if you don't get on board. Get on board, it'll help. <laughs> well, I'll dive in with like, sure, sure, you're an asshole if you don't get on board, but also like what Shakina said, that you're entitled to what you feel and the gooey, me- what, what you're working through and that it kind of doesn't matter how you feel, I think, as long as your actions are working toward more understanding mm. and working and, and, and voting and speaking up on behalf of yeah. the rights of people. And like, and like also don't be disingenuous. You know, I, I worked at a needle exchange for a couple years mm-hmm. uh, doing harm reduction education and um, really tried to motivate myself to get behind the philosophies. And then one day I came home and I was like, people just shouldn't be doing heroin. And if that's how I feel, then maybe I shouldn't be working in a needle exchange, huh. you know? And so, um, yeah, this person needs to like figure out what they're thinking so they can get on board and not be an asshole. But also like, please like don't claim you're on board if you're not really on board. 
figure yourself That's out. That's really you know? interesting. Like I, I think there's a certain amount of fake it till you make it uh-huh. in 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 like allyship and and social justice when you're like trying to you know be part of the intersectional cause. Uh-huh. Yeah. But also like do the work to educate yourself and 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 cultivate a compassionate point of view mm. before you step forward and try and join a march. You know. Mm. Um. So. That's what I would, I mean, that's my first thought is like, again, and I think this person asking this question is a step in that direction totally. towards trying to examine where they're coming from. And um, in terms of do the work to educate yourself, yeah. um, uh, where would you suggest to begin? Well, I think one thing that's interesting in what this person has written is that um, they talk about watching the, you know, um, like the representation of transgender people in the media as a freak show. And I think that that's not entirely inaccurate because Mm. there is a bit of like, you know, sensationalism and it is like a media circus around like a few icons that we've like plucked um, and, and thrown into the media machine. Um, And, uh, and so I, I think that like the mediatized representation of the transgender experience is really um, select and novel right Mm. now. Um, So, I think you know something that this person could do, or anyone who's interested in in learning more about the real lives of transgender folks, um, is like pick up a book. There are so many great, um, you know, autobiographical narratives that folks have published about their transitions. Come see my show, or mm-hmm. or find someone who's doing a solo show mm-hmm. about their process. Um, I mean, like. There's like support groups. I mean, there's ways to like get a personal lived experience. I'm also thinking just in like a more baby step, like soundbite way. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there is a, a pretty cool collection and wide range in like transgender today in the New York Times and the, I'm from Driftwood. Just mm-hmm. like there there are places on the internet that that collect personal stories, yeah. and that might be yeah. The a Times place is New York Times well. is doing something. New York Daily News has been doing like a. A few uh, personal stories that have been collected. Uh huh. Yeah. And and also, I f- I do like. I just want to shout out to this person's pain as well and seeing your friend who is yeah. struggling. Like, well, and so this it, is a, it this makes is, sense that that feels complex. Yeah. Even. And and I think that's like a like another thing is that, um, you know maybe what's uh, uh what's really important to understand is that. Um, because of where we are in terms of social acceptance for trans people, um, it's like you have to go back like 20 years and, and look at like the like, you know, coming out process of like lesbian and gay people. And when it became socially permissible to sudden, to be able to be oneself, it, the result was that people who had been hiding themselves for a number of years into adulthood were finally able to break through that shame and guilt and do what was needed for their own survival, which was to come out. Mm -hmm. Um, But what that also meant was that they had built um, relationships, um, you know, professional relationships, personal relationships um, on, on, on a lie, you know, on Mm -hmm. a, on a mask. Uh, So, um, you know, I'm a firm believer that like the soul must be freed, whatever the cost. Um, knowing in my personal journey that it became a choice of like, well, either I'm like I'm going to kill myself or I'm going to be who I need to be. There's mm. like two options, right? And I think most trans people um, in the in the like traditional narrative at this stage in the game like are are faced with that choice at some point. And so, um, so 
in, in, the, in the specific instance of this one person's friend who's like in some, some midlife point about to have their first child and in a relationship with a woman who's now, decided, now deciding that they have to transition, um, I can see how uh, that might be perceived from the outside as a radically selfish act. Hmm. But also, I, I wonder if maybe this friend could look at the situation and say, would this child be better up growing up with a mother and an orphaned, like a dead father, like huh. the absent parent, single mother, or with two moms, one of whom is trans, and the difficulties in that way. Is the child better off coming into the world with two parents that love them, or with one parent who's dead because mm. they couldn't live their truth? And I'm not saying, I'm not trying to, like, to project suicide onto this person, but, what, but I am saying that... that um, that realistically the the choice in the matter is that grave. Yeah. Yeah. And also I just um what I'm feeling really moved to say also in hearing that is just like oh my god, I look forward to the day which I hope is not too far off when more people are feel free and safe to live their truth earlier on in life even potentially so that their everybody's journey is their own but then um it's it's possible that 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 these th- this particular situation will happen less yeah. as we move on i think so i mean i i came out as gay in junior high in the 90s and i was part of the the at the time what was called the queer youth movement um and now we're like finally seeing folks, you know, young kids come out as trans in mm-hmm. elementary school, uh, you know, high school. And, and I have complicated feelings about, you know, um, like hormone therapy and, and doing stuff that's like delaying puberty. And th- mm. I'm, I don't even know where I stand on that. But what I do know is that, uh, is that the, t- the tides are, are shifting in the way that you have said that more and more people are able to come out at a younger age. But, People who are, you know, in in their adulthood, who like survived years of oppression and suppression, are now facing this really difficult decision mm-hmm. of whether or not to like, you know, put it all out there and risk losing the people that are dear to them, mm-hmm. or um, denying themselves for the rest of their lives. <sighs> so, so that's the challenge. That so to 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 the listener or to the writer of that question. You know, the, I guess the challenge is: can you can you um, put on those goggles of compassion and look at your friend's spouse um, with with that level of of care? Mm. Um, and might that affect the way that you view their process? And then, could you learn from their experience to understand more about you know? the trans cause and the trans causes in the social movement. Hmm. Oh, hi, it's me, Dave, from Sex for Smart People, that podcast you're listening to just now. Uh, this podcast, which you're listening to right now, is a labor of love for me and for Stephanie, and it is something we deeply believe in, um, but it's also something that uh, we are paying for out of pocket uh, to the tune of about 150 bucks per episode to host our website and pay our audio engineer. Um, in order to sustain this, uh, if you like what you're hearing and you have a buck or two or five or 37 to kick in per episode, I cannot tell you how appreciative we'd be. Um, our core content, this p- podcast is now and it always is going to be free, but um, Patreon, 
which is uh, we partnered with, allows our community and our listeners to make small ongoing contributions to help fund the show on a voluntary per episode basis. So if you dig what we're doing and you do have that buck or two per episode, um, if you'd consider contributing per episode, we would super appreciate it. And if enough people in our community did this, it would just make a huge impact uh, on the possibility of this podcast continuing to go. Um, we do, uh, as always, offer you an invisible, non-existent tote bag for any contribution that you make. Um, and we have visions for where this could be in the future that are huge and that your contribution will help support to make a YouTube channel and do live shows around the country and maybe world and maybe even paying our guests for their time that they so generously donate to our podcast. Um, we absolutely love doing this show and uh, it's changed our lives for the better, for sure. And it keeps us honest uh, with each other and with everyone in these conversations that we care so deeply about and um, we hope that it's been good for you too and if it has been and you have a little bit of cash to spare and we know times are tough but if you have it my goodness we'd appreciate it you can find that link to our Patreon page at our website with that ever easy to remember website uh, URL of sexforsmartpeople.com thank you so much we really really appreciate it on to question three Hi, Stephanie and Dave. Thanks for what you do. I'm a queer woman, late 20s, and a big fan of your podcast. Any advice for the heartbroken? My girlfriend of three years broke up with me abruptly a month ago, and I feel so much pain that I don't know what to do. I'm in therapy, and I talk to friends about it, but I just don't see how I'll ever get over her, so any extra help is welcome. Thanks. Um, I want to dive in with this one. Mm -hmm. Um first off to say to you who wrote in that if I were in front of you I would just want to listen more and maybe share just an enormous hug and like I don't know I don't know if anybody knows really how to heal from that kind of pain um, I can only speak from my experience which fortunately or unfortunately is really raw and fresh as 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 I'm right there post painful breakup as well and um I think and I actually to come completely clean I was right in the thick of it when we recorded with Dossie Easton um episode 25 and I was a little bit worried would I be able to be present talking about sex and relationships when I felt so disoriented in love and I'm Dossie is so wonderful that I was so transported by her her joy but um I do want to be um uh, I, I'm I'm glad for the opportunity to sort of come clean about that too, and and just um, send warmth to you who wrote in. And the the one thing that I have been able to grasp onto in in this moment, um, I've been reading a book that I probably should have read a long ago, um, "When Things Fall Apart" by Pima Chodron, and I feel. It, it sounds like you might be in a somewhat similar situation, even though I know I can't imagine how you particularly feel, but just in terms of like everything feels so big and complex. And so this, this excerpt I really like, um, she wrote, this is where tenderness comes in. When things are shaky and nothing is working, we might realize that we are on the verge of something. We might realize that this is a very vulnerable and tender place and that tenderness can go either way. We can shut down and feel resentful or we can touch in on that throbbing quality. And I don't know how to perfectly lean toward the latter, but when I read that, that really deeply resonated with me. And for me, the thing I have to grasp onto is just keep breathing and, and, 
and and it, it's been humbling for myself to feel the pull toward rigidity and shutting down and um so that that idea of just keep breathing and also something another wise friend told me is that um even with the term heartbroken because i've been saying i'm raw and heartbroken a lot and um that what about the perspective that our hearts are as as big and vast as the universe and actually like can't be broken that we can be wounded but not broken and um and i've really that's been another something that i've been been grabbing onto and and cheers to you for being in therapy and talking to friends about it so wonderful that you have a support network and um in terms of how to get over it i wonder if there is ever like an arrival point of getting over it or finding closure. I know that there is that we're all healing and we're all broken. That there that that as time goes on, things can feel different. But um, um, but yeah, I'm going to leave it there as I'm sitting in big questions as well. Um, Dave and Shakina. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> go ahead, Dave. Um, um, Stephanie, what was that quotation you read from? from When Things Fall Apart by Pima Chodron. I think that you, we, we don't get over things, but I think that that's okay because I don't think that that should be our aim. Getting over something seems to me to have a connotation of forgetting or losing rather than as that one um, excellent thing that we got an email about once upon a time said about um, weaving everything into a tapestry that makes up who we are. And part of that is our former loves. Um, Mm. And so I think that rather than getting over it, I would say that you will get okay with it and that that may not be the same thing, but um, that it's all, uh, I think it's, I think it's all we can do. Life will be beautiful again. Mm. Yeah, there's there's a line in uh, one of my favorite musicals, Carolina Change, um, with a book by Tony Kushner, music and lyrics by Janine Tesori, that says, um, you'll be okay, you'll learn how to lose things. Mm. And uh, I think that's really true. I think that heartbreak is one of the most uh, necessary, rich, and fulfilling human experiences um, I think it's it's like one of those things that's like th- that um, is so sacred and profound, um, and if you have the courage to enter into it fully, it can really transport you into a whole new level of of your own self understanding. Because mm. um, I, I mean, I've been rocked by it a couple times. You know, even even for shorter relationships that then have affected me for much longer than the relationship itself mm-hmm. um, in the in the grief of it, but um, but I, there's certain things that that looking back on those moments of of deep deep pain that I um, I really relish as having surrendered to, mm. like like crying in public, oh. you know, crying in public and. <sighs> And those moments when like you suddenly can't function and you uh-huh. just have to like collapse in tears, yeah. you know, relying, relying on your friends, um, mm. exhausting your friends, 
being the annoying person who can't stop talking about the thing that's destroying you. Mm. Um, saying yes to help when offered. Yeah. That's been a learning yeah. journey for me. Um, absolutely. Learning how to ask for help, learning how to get outside yourself. You, but, you know, I think, I mean, I think it's really important to... Um, to keep it moving through you and to never let it get stagnant. Even if it means you have to like roll around on your kitchen floor in tears or dance naked in your bedroom or, um, you know, slam things down and break shit. I did something once uh, when I was really heartbroken. I got a, a white pillar candle, just one of those like 99 cent candles in glass. Mm-hmm. And I lit it um, and I said, I'm going to keep this candle lit in Lit, litten. I'm going to keep this candle lit for this guy um, as long as I want. Hmm. And, um, and so the candle like burned down, you know, for days and days. And, um, and then when it was like nearly done, I bought another one. I put it next to it and, um, and I left it lit. I would leave the house with it lit on my altar. It just was there. I would sleep at night and I would see it. And I would know that this is the candle of my love that I am uh, continuing to burn, to hold mm-hmm. in place. And, um, and then one beautiful night, I woke up in the middle of the night and I rolled over and I got out of bed and I blew it out. Hmm. But I gave myself permission to love until mm. the love ran out, to want, to miss, to long for, uh-huh. you know, until I felt ready to say, you know, That's okay. That's gorgeous, Shakina. And that reminds me of one of my favorite um, things. I, th- I think it's from the Tao Te Ching um, that uh, if you want to shrink something, you must first let it expand mm. or I think often when we feel big feelings like oh man I, f- I feel an impulse like if I just had an off switch if I could just like some respite just be like please I actually asked a friend to make me a robot mm-hmm. and like just please like no, no more of the feelings mm-hmm. but that um, but that I think it is it can be in that uh, not allowing yourself to be right there that that actually like hinders healing yeah. and that that's part of what ties in what you just shared Shakina and what um, the Pima Chodron uh, quote about letting in tenderness really finding that throbbing place rather than yeah. shutting down that, um, that that is where the, yeah. the even the possibility of healing lies yeah. I speak as if I know something I really feel like I no, don't know anything this is the place but, where none of us know anything we are, we are never as powerless as we are when we're heartbroken mm-hmm. I think but um, but in that, of course, resides a deep power because surrender is mm-hmm. is ultimately the thing that leads you to the, your greatest strength. Hmm. <sighs> I know a moment of silent, yeah. a moment of silence for the heartbroken. Yeah. Let me say that one thing that helps me, and I realize this is a really personal thing, but listening to Jagged Little Pill as loud as possible. Oh, oh. fuck yeah. <laughs> Thank goodness for that album. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe this is a different, different one for you, but I think that if you don't have one, try Jagged Little Pill. I think it might help. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, hi. I would like to give a shout out for Stephanie's sex and relationship coaching. I started coaching with Stephanie and it has completely changed my life and really 
got in touch with myself and also it was a much more personal and spiritual journey than I ever could have imagined and um, I was able to work through a lot of and still am and will continue to work through a lot of the shame that I was taught about sex and the rules that were taught to me that weren't necessarily decided on by me and and she's really helped me to get in touch with my my needs and my wants and my desires and and help me to be brave to communicate those to my partner and it's it's totally opened up a whole new world with us and I'm I'm so 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 grateful to Stephanie and and I'm getting emotional <laughs> and so I would love to give a huge shout out to Stephanie as as a human being and her work and I respect everything she's doing and if you would like to read some more details and testimonials you can check it out on the Sex for Smart People website at sexforsmartpeople.com. Hmm. Um, Dave, would you read questions? I absolutely for? will. Um, uh, okay. Um, I'm a guy with a big problem. The girls I like to fuck, I can't imagine having dinner with them and my parents. I know this is like a classic Madonna slash whore thing. I want to be married and to do right by my family, but I can't imagine being monogamous, and I know that some people have other arrangements for things, but there's no girls I know who would be okay with that. Is there any hope for me? Aye, aye, aye. Yeah, I mean, sure, there's hope. Uh, I think... I think my first piece of advice would be like, let's learn a little bit more about feminism. <laughs> Go on. Um, because I think this whole question um, is about really about shifting. Um, your understanding of women as objects to women as partners in creation. Mm. Um, you know, I, and maybe it's just like the, the syntax of the question, the girls I like to fuck, you know, yeah. versus like wanting to be married and do right by my family. Um, I just feel in the question, this sense of like, you know, the uh, like the role of of the woman in question or women in question as these like adornments, uh-huh. either their sexual conquests or their sort of prizes to be brought home and valued by yep. the parents. And granted, granted, while I share your reaction, uh-huh. um, I also just want to like with the person from question two, like thank you for asking, thank you for recognizing that like, totally that there's growth to be had here, sure. and also acknowledgement that like as much as individuals are on a journey, wider society is on a journey and that these things that you're identifying like, and the need to let's learn more about feminism like come from these, these deeply ingrained societal scripts yeah. that doesn't let this person off the hook or yeah. mean that his journey will be easy. Right. But I feel like there, there's so much to examine about where did, where did these ideas about women come from in sure. you and why did they become important and solid in you? I've just read Naomi Wolf's book, Vagina, Ah. Um, which I just think this listener writer should should read mm. um, because I wonder if like hmm, I wonder if I wonder if you really explored huh, what what kind of girls you like to fuck and why 
Um, and like what that is doing for you as a man um, and what kind of girls you want to bring home to your parents and why and what that would do for you as a man. Like maybe, uh, maybe you could find the overlap in that Venn diagram, mm. you know? I mean, I think there are, um, there are, uh, my whole life is about like blurring the line between the sacred and the profane. So I am mm. both like a Madonna and a whore. I mean, absolutely. Um, and and I am not the only one. There are there are like you know freaks in the sheets and whatever. <laughs> they don't have to be on the streets. I don't know what the whatever. But um, but I think I think like uh, the 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 solution to this problem. I feel lies within this this guy's own uh, own understanding of, of himself and his needs. I don't think it has to do with uh-huh. the partners at all. I think it's really an, an exploration of like what he's trying to experience and satisfy within himself. That's my strong instinct too and and to say yes and to all that you just said. I think that beyond uh, men and women and feminism and gender roles, I think that that uh, what I hear behind what you're struggling with, person who wrote in, is is that it's... I wish it did just feel easy and apparent, but I don't think that it always does feel like we can bring who we are sexually to the rest of who we are, or yeah. bring the rest of who we are to who we are sexually. So, like, regardless of men or women or anything, mm-hmm. like, I think that, that what I hear is, is you reconciling that and that's what I'm most passionate about in when I coach and talk to people and I feel like um, what if it were okay for you to be fully who you are that includes who you are mm-hmm. sexually mm-hmm. what what does like can does it work for you to to hold that what would that mean mm-hmm. for you um, and also to acknowledge that all humans are more are infinitely more complex than any of us like project on them at first glance and that there are so many people who might um, who might be somebody who immediately your parents love and perceive as somebody that you is is I even hate kind of saying this, but like the the kind of person that you would would be with in in that sort of way, who is super kinky. There are mm-hmm. people who fall way oh, different places in the spectrum. You know, I I don't think I'm alone in this, but I don't I like I I pretty much think like I look at every single person and wonder what they're like having sex. Uh-huh. Do you know? Like I'm just uh-huh. like I'm like I meet someone I'm like oh, and then I'm like I wonder what how they like to have sex. I just uh-huh. it's something I think about all the time. Mm-hmm. So um and it's and it's really very mysterious and very hard to assume, you know, mm-hmm. that, so if you're, if you're, but I, I don't know. Again, I just, I just want to go back to, to, um, to the girls I like to fuck. Yeah. Uh, I'm, yeah. you know, yeah. I will do some work on, I, I think that what you both have said is beautiful and really, um, compassionate and I will work on getting there, but I have to admit that my reaction to this email is not compassionate; it's angry. Um, I think mm. that this, is, that as written, this is just like textbook objectification. Um, first mm-hmm, of yeah. all, mm-hmm. in calling women, I'm, I mean, uh, uh, if they're over eighteen, please call them women. Stop, stop, 
the other thing. Stop calling them girls. It's, it's yeah. just mm-hmm. cut it out. But also, uh, everything about this is, as, uh, as you said, Shakina, is objectifying. It's talking about the girls that you like to fuck, not the women with, which you ha- with whom you have sexual relationships. You're talking about br- having dinner with them and your parents. Like, they're coming along with you to this thing. Talk about being married, but this idea of marriage to someone who you're going to find to fit in a slot that you've already decided for what marriage should look like because you want to do right by them. Um, I will work on getting to the point where you guys are in compassion, but man, right now, I just, I think that, Shakina, what you said at the beginning of you have to learn a little about feminism is right on. It's just, you, the way that this has been described, you are objectifying women and you really need to work on that. I also, I'm going to just like make a broad assumption here. Go for it. But I want to encourage this person to also question the role of pornography in their life. Hmm. And I'm just interpreting it subtly from the language of the the question. But um, yeah, I just, I'm going to throw that yeah. out there. And with the caveat that there's some great feminist porn out there. But Absolutely, we're talking about but I'm just, que- the, yeah. just questioning the, because you can change your relationship to pornography and that can change your relationship to relationships. Mm. And, and and I'm not saying you need to like. I'm not, first of all, like, I, I, I'm I, there are some wonderful sex positive, like relationship positive, um, feminist pornography, um, mm. and like trans feminist pornography. Mm-hmm. I'm into it, but um, I'm just I'm just curious. I would like to know what kind of porn this guy watches. Um, and and I would like to know how that's affecting his choices in sexual partners mm-hmm. and his like the the sort of pedestal he's created for the impossible romantic partner. And I also want to this whole read vagina by Naomi Wolf, <laughs> learn a little about feminism, look into the, the you know seriously question the kind of porn you're watching. Like honestly, like that at the risk of sounding patronizing, like I honestly believe. You who wrote in, thank you for asking this question. That if that, like, all the things that we've said are a part of you feeling more whole and fulfilled in yourself and finding the possibility of, of, uh, of the life you want and the love and the sex that you want. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what if you were thinking, like, instead of the girls I like to fuck, what are you thinking about, like, the women who I'm most interested in guiding toward enlightenment through sexual? servitude (laughs) you know just as a question just like as a reframing device you know I would like to know then how you would feel about bringing them home to dinner with your parents uh huh uh huh well said Shakina yeah um anything else to add Dave well, well, the first I mean, I line of the email is, d- years. is, I'm a guy with a big problem, and I think that this is a problem with solutions, but it's going, but you've got to work yeah. at them. This is not something that is going to be fixed by finding the right girl. This is going to be fixed by you Amen. Uh-huh. Yep. working on like, mm-hmm. getting, yep, yep. getting smarter and better about this. Uh, on to quickies. As you know, the theme song is quickies. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> David <Yes>. McGee. <laughs> you just co-opted the crowdsource question. Uh, theme song, and I'm calling I, you on we, it. Uh, as co-composer, <laughs> I have rights to it. Okay. So, 
Ah, I see how it is. Um, um, Quickies today might be uh, slightly more conversational than usual. We shall see. Let's see what happens. Um, uh, Who would like to go first? So I'll start it off, I guess, because I like brought this up at the beginning of the episode. And this is just something I'm wondering about in my personal journey with sex and relationships. Um, So just to clarify, I'm like... uh, 13 months post-op transgender woman. I have this great new vagina, the plumbing works and the electricity. Woo-hoo. I've yeah, I've had um I've had like some like, you know, fun and exploratory sexual experiences, but I have not had like penetrative sex yet. And the dudes that I've hooked up with have been like sort of kind of in the tranny chaser category that I've just sort of been like, well, I'm like we're doing this sort of booty call thing. I'm learning, you're showing me things. It's cool. It's great. But um I've sort of been joking saying that I am um, holding on to my virginity until I'm sure that the guy who's inside me tonight is going to text me tomorrow. Huh. And <laughs> that's like sort of like the like silly way I'm saying it, which in part is true because I know that I'm going to be this like vulnerable, emotional um, mess and, like when it happens. And I'm like looking forward to it, but also like that's a lot of responsibility because I've, I've loaded on top of, I mean, I'm sort of a teenager again with all the expectations around mm. virginity that I already... Um, dealt with it in one way in my teenage years the first time um, in a way that I think wasn't very respectful to myself ultimately. And so now I feel like I have the opportunity to like, to, to recreate um, my first time and I want it to be special, mm. you know, and I'm in that like romantic area, but I also want it to be sacred because uh, that's really important to me. And, um, and then I think like, well, sacred ultimately, right, is the relationship between me and my direct connection to the divine. Um, but what would be really wonderful is if I could sort of triangulate that with, with the man I'm having sex with rather mm. than being like, well, this dude is inside me, but I'm, you know, one-on-one with, with the divine, that doesn't feel as awesome to me as this, like hmm. p- this, you know, p- there's this potential for a sort of, um, you know, explosive spiritual experience um, with with this like newfound ability to like take someone inside me hmm. in my vagina, you know. Hmm. Um, and receive in that way. Um, and also I'm just like a little, like it's, it's going to like hurt, you know, mm. it's, it's like, it's tight, you know, even if I dilate mm. it, it's so, um, so I'm really like, I'm really swimming around this issue because there's, there's some of these boys that I'm, I'm hanging out with casually um, and enjoying getting off with, without penetrative sex. And sometimes I'm like, fuck, I just want them to fuck me. I want to have sex so bad. It's all I can think about. I want to take three months off work and just like lock myself in a room with someone and try every sexual position and just be like fed by trays under the door and just like, you know, like have sex all the time. Um, I hope you get to do that too. Gosh, me too, really. But anyway, so this is the thing I'm just sort of wondering about like how, how, where, like, where does it all, you know, Sex positivity, um, like virginity, spiritual commitments, and like the culture of like dating in your thirties. Man, that's where I'm Whoa, at. Dude. So oh my that's God. my quickie. I don't know. It's not quick. <laughs> I'm I'm right there with you. <laughs> my quickies are never quick either, um, in real life or on this podcast. <laughs> um, oh my goodness. I well, first of all, just cheers to where you are in your journey. And I think about all of these things so much too. And I guess I had a different 
I, I, I do want to talk about this. I want to like, and I hear so, what I really appreciate about what you're saying is that, um, I'm so fucking sick of whenever anyone uses the term I lost my virginity. What term As was that, Stephanie? It's like, oh, where did it go? Oh, I had... What, ter- what? what term did you use? Lost or to lose one's oh, okay, virginity. Cool. That like, I'm like, oh, where did it go? I had no agency. In it. Like, it's that, like, huh. that, like, the way that you're talking about it is so empowered. Like, no, you want to like... You're choosing to either like give away or to hold a ritual around, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like passing through virginity, yeah, sure. Or like, so I really love the language that you're oh, using cool. around that. And I'm also a huge believer that virginity is how you define it. Like I know for a lot of people, like penis and vagina sex has nothing to do with virginity. Sure. And, um, <laughs> but um, but I also just want to say cheers to and also the the, the desire to hold hold as sacred but also um to, to hold the sacred and profane together like that that's all just really really juicy and rich um yeah. like my pussy and i i hope yeah. oh yeah and i just hope that you have the experience that you want in the way yeah. that you want it thank you yeah yeah. Is there anything else that you want to share or questions you want to put out to the world? Uh, n- n- I don't know. I mean, no, I just think, I just think like because of them, because of I, I, what I'm, because of the profile that, that I've arrived at in terms of um, my show and like some media attention around my transition, mm. I just like, I think it's really, important for me to be um, open about the questions that I'm asking because I never want to come off as like an expert and so like I Mm. guess it's just like maybe I've in the last hour been able to say a lot about like trans feminism and being an ally and whatever else we've been talking about but like still learning here you know so and I just that like thank you for Mm. allowing me to like share wisdom where I think I might have some to offer and also express my own curiosity and and uh, unsuredness when, when you, that Shakina. exists. And that's so deeply in line with our whole yep. mission here to have space where that's not only okay, but celebrated. Oh, cool. And, um, yeah. Dave, do you want to go next or should I? Or do you want to chime I'm, in anything? I'm happy to. Yeah. Go um, for it. Uh... I so I moved out of town in February of this year, um, and uh, I'm having my first feelings of of longing for it, um, and uh, for New York, I mean. And what's br- what's brought them mm. on of, of all things is um, not being able to go see Hamilton. <laughs> and <Huh. laughs> um, it's surprising to me, given how infrequently in my 15 years in New York I, I went to see a Broadway show, that it would be um, that specifically, or even that it would be um, uh, that, that that would be the the cause for me first starting to realize um, uh, what I'm missing not being in a place. Um, and so I have just been feeling a lot and sort of living within the feeling of um, acknowledging uh, that part of 
part of how I am able to experience the beautiful things and important things where I am necessarily means missing out on the beautiful and important things happening all the places that I'm not. And that that mm. is both beautiful and wonderful and part of the ephemerality that makes life worth living. And also, uh, and also um, for me at the moment, really, really super, super sad. And living in the mm. complexity of that and um, sort of just trying to work my way through that is something I've been thinking about a lot and dealing with. So I want to give a shout out to super complex emotions that feel both good and bad. Hmm. That's delicious. Mm-hmm. And also Hamilton's not going anywhere. <laughs> so when you find your way back to New York, it will still be running if the national tour hasn't already come through whatever new town I, you're I, in. I appreciate mm. that, yes. I look forward to seeing it when I, when, when I can. I hear it's really, really good. Yeah, and, and Dave is in the, 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 the remote village of Los yeah. Angeles. <laughs> oh, well, it's never no, going to no, come no. there. It's, it's, it's but, the, but, I think, but, um, if, you have to, if you start at the top with New York being the biggest city, um, <laughs> it's the second biggest city, so things don't come here. So Things will still <laughs> arrive. But also, you know, when we were talking earlier about, like, about heartbreak being this like, mm. really rich and I was saying like, really valuable human experience, I think... Mm. I think um, the feeling of homesickness or placelessness is also really valuable in that way because it just, it can shake you up enough to remind you of what you value. And even if what you value is, is not where you are or what you have, it, it, can, it, can, deepen, it can deepen your connection oh, to those absolutely. things. You, you, mm-hmm. It can cause you to reach out and connect to folks from, from New York or things you need and to be reminded of. So, yeah. Good, good to, good to like, go swimming in those complex feelings that are both painful and joyful. And yeah. Dave, so much Why, love. Thank you. Let me just. Oh man. When you're thinking about this and feeling this, in, in, in this is this is going to be like, this is. I recommend going to read Wordsworth's uh, *Tintern Abbey*, um, a poem that he wrote in 1798 that nails this experience exactly as I feel it. Um, and that's probably the, the I don't know, that, that is a different sort of endorsement or quickie than I usually give. But, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. you just got to read 220-year-old poetry. Sometimes it nails it. <laughs> For me, it's always um, the end of Jonathan Livingston Siegel sure. by Richard Bach, this like 70s new age book mm-hmm. where uh, he says, if our friendship depends on things like time and space, then when we've overcome time and space, we've destroyed our brotherhood. But overcome oh. time and all we have is now and overcome space and all we have is here. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of here and now, don't you think we might see each other once in a while? Whoa. <sighs> lovely, lovely. Yeah. <sighs> oh, man. Oh, I'm such a fan of both of you guys. I don't want this episode to end. Um, But I suppose the time has come for my quickie. Your quickie. is never quick, but here goes. Um, An an invitation to be a part of something, but also a frame of why I'm doing it. Um, I... There's a young person who is very dear to me, who is trans and gender non-conforming, who um, has, has had several suicide attempts. And, um, and something that he said to me um, really stuck with me and really fuels a lot of what I do. And that is, um, I know that 
the world is catching up and that we're moving forward. But I don't know if it will catch up fast enough for me. Mm. And so I just want to give a shout out to just really celebrating, like even fuck, you know, Caitlyn Jenner or all the, all the, you know, all the cool trans visibility that's happening. But also, like I said so much um, around when um, gay marriage was legalized at the same time as pride, like, hell yes, let's, let's get up and, and dance on the streets and celebrate and, and dance and dance and dance. And then let's not sit back down. And how um, all, all the ways in which we're moving forward in the world is amazing. And of course, I know we all know this and I'm stating the obvious, but just how much more work there is to be done too and how much even speaking up for, for those who, are, who don't fall in either the male or female category and, and how, how, um, how much work there still is to do in terms of, of their representation. And, um, and so I just feel like I can, maybe none of us can ever, like there's not like an enough that any of us can do, but like one thing that I'm passionate about that I'm working on that I want to invite you to join me in um, soon finally we're releasing one of the music videos from the Love Songs for the Rest of Us uh, album and this is the song that I wrote that I wish had existed for this young person that I'm talking about before they first attempted suicide at age 14 and um, the basic idea in it is you're invited to be all of who you are and of course with an acknowledgement that that's that not everyone is free or safe to do that right now but um, but that um, but wanting to move toward a world and where that is the case and so we're releasing the video finally on December 5th but in the lead up we um, we made a short um, documentary about this wonderful human Neo Sihi who plays the young genderqueer hero in this video. And, and so we made a just short uh, two-minute video of them just talking about all of who they are. And we're with hashtag all of who you are. We're inviting anyone who wants to, to share um, basically who are you? Who is all of who you are in terms of sex and gender? And... Um, whether that involves labels or not, and then is there anything that you wish you could share with your younger self? And so you can find Neo's videos and the others at lovesongsfortherestofus.com on the tab, all of who you are, and um, please go check them out, be in conversation with us, please submit your own video if you feel so moved, and we look forward to sharing the No Shame video with you on December 5th. I will just say to you, young friend, there's like a, a great Marianne Williamson quote that mm. is like a, a part of a longer quote that's always quoted. But um, but she says like, when you allow your own light to shine, you unconsciously give others permission to do the same. Mm. And so, you know, it's not that the world needs to catch up to him, but actually he's bringing the world forward. Oh my God. Thank you for that perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, Shakina. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, this has been awesome. This Your has been awesome. Cool. and wisdom is, is pretty off the charts. It's such an honor to be in conversation <laughs> with you. Thank Thanks. you. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, I love what, what you guys stand for. And this is a cool program. I'm happy to be a part of it. Yay. 
So that's it for episode 26. And thanks again so much to Shakina for joining us. Thanks to the rest of our amazing team. And thanks to you for downloading. And a quick update. I said in my quickie that the No Shame music video would be released December 5th. But because of technical difficulties, we had to postpone. So January 11th is the new release date. Um, And we love being in conversation with you in every way. Please uh, find us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Tumblr if you haven't already. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, on Dogcatcher, and now on Stitcher too. And we love hearing from you at any time. Um, You can find all of our information on our website, sexforsmartpeople.com. Please send us your questions, your objections, your ideas. And thank you from the bottom of our hearts for being in conversation with us. Take care and see you next time. Shining your light as all of who you are is the sexiest. That blessed mood in which the burden of the mystery, in which the heavy and the weary weight of all this unintelligible world is lightened, that serene and blessed mood in which the affectation, affections gently lead us on is the sexiest. <laughs> Compassionate feminist masculinity is the sexiest. Mm. Cheers. Cheers.